We're on a journey to pursue God's purpose for our lives because we don't want to live by accident. We want to live intentionally. We want to live on purpose, doing the purpose that God has for us. So we've been looking at some of the different areas of finding your purpose, and I'm praying today that today would be super practical. Today's purpose is not what we do here in church serving teams, but it's what we do with our lives out there in the world. About five years before I met my lovely wife, Catherine, here on the front seat, I actually got a glimpse of her. I was like 18 at the time, went up to uh, Michalisburg, they had this national youth camp. I was too shy, I heard about her and I saw her and I heard the screams of the other girls as she spiked them on the volleyball court. So uh, I heard the drama, but I didn't have the courage to go and talk to her at the time. But amazingly, I saw her then, then only five years later did we actually get to meet, where all good couples meet at a prayer meeting at 5 a.m. on the campus at Varsity. But be that as it may, that's not the only reason I remember that particular youth camp. There was a, a preacher, and I remember his name, Ron Hutchcroft. I've probably never listened to another sermon before, but he was the preacher at that youth camp, and he preached some incredible messages, and one of them, after all these years, still stands in my memory today. And he spoke about a dad who had a couple of sons, and every morning as the sons were heading off to school, he'd say, cheers, my boys, go mad. And he wondered sometimes what the neighbors must think. I mean, what kind of a dad is commissioning his sons to go mad day after day? But of course, the sons knew mad does not mean doff. Mad means make a difference. Make a difference. Go mad. Go make a difference, boys, every day. Because this dad knew that we, sons of God, were created for significance. We were created to make a difference. We were created to have an impact on the world around us. And I've never forgotten that preach. Our God-given purpose should make a difference in the world. Not just a difference in church amongst Christians, but in the world. And so the title we're looking at today, we've looked at our purpose is Christ and Christ-likeness. Our purpose is community. I want to talk today about our purpose is common good, the common good. You see, success is what's good for me. Significance is what's good for those around me. And God hasn't just called us to be successful. No, more than that, He's called us to live significant lives for the common good that impact others. We call as children of God to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, to make a difference. And so that's what I'm going to be speaking about today. But, but, here's a big but. If we're going to understand and find our purpose in the world, there's a stronghold. Remember we studied strongholds together? Strongholds are dominant thought patterns. They sound like truth, but they're actually lies. But if you believe them, they can take a stronghold on your life and limit you from walking in God's ways. And here's the stronghold. In modern thinking nowadays, there's a valley between the two sides. On one side of the valley, we have the sacred and on the other side, we have the secular. This is sacred. Sacred means the God stuff, the God work, the, the pastor, the full-time ministry, the church, the holy stuff. The secular, well, that's like the normal stuff. That's like the real jobs and the real world and the real life. And the problem is sometimes in our minds, we've got sacred and we've got secular. And when we're finding our purpose, surely the more noble purposes, surely the more God-given purposes, they must be like the holy stuff but the rest of the week I've got to live in the normal stuff. That's a stronghold that does not come from God. And if that's your thinking, if somehow the sacred stuff is more important and more holy and more special to God, then you will never walk in your full purpose making a difference in the world. 
Does that make sense? You're very quiet. Maybe you've zoned out or maybe you're deeply convicted right now. I'll just trust that you're deeply convicted. This is an important thing because we've got to smash it in our lives. The sacred secular divide is not biblical and that divide is what keeps so many from their purposes. I remember when Kate and I came on eldership, there was another eldership couple. This is not here. This was up in Midran before we came down to plant. And this particular couple, this guy who came on to eldership just before us, great friends of ours, was a multi-millionaire businessman. He ran aeroplane cleaning companies, had branches at most of the major airports around this country, and was doing an incredible job. Answered the call of God to eldership, to be a pastor. And so at the time, the thinking was, well, then surely I should give up all that secular stuff and step into the sacred. For me, it was an incredible tragedy. Because God had anointed this man with great influence in the business community. He was very wealthy. He had great influence and impact. And yet what we saw over the next couple of years, they even planted a church eventually, but actually his influence dwindled, 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 dwindled. Eventually it cost him their marriage. Eventually he was out of business and ministry. Because for me, the, tr- the thinking at the time was surely the higher calling is to step out of the world and step into the sacred. Because that bridge wasn't crossed, I believe it cost him his true purpose. I remember Quinton here going through similar wrestles. They've been on eldership 20 years with us. And at one point there was this, should I leave the business environment? Quinton heads up a corporation of businesses, forestry, all sorts of things. But should I leave that to go into full-time church work? And I remember for a while it was a wrestle until, no, actually, God, you've given me a platform of ministry into a business environment. And now when we look at the fruit upon his life, not just what's happening in church, but what's happening in the world, impacting business people, kingdom finance, plus community projects, releasing kingdom projects into different communities. This is so important. We've got to break that thinking. What happens in the factory, what happens in the church In God's eyes, there's no difference. It's all just as holy unto the Lord. In fact, let me read you a scripture. See what the Bible says in Colossians 3, 22. It says, slaves. Now, this was the context in those days. It wasn't employer, employee. It was normally master and slave. But these are the most extreme. If this works for the most extreme, master and slave, how much more for us if you're employed or if you're an employer? Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I want you in your mind to picture your boss from hell. Some of you, you're picturing him right now. He's on your dartboard at home. And, and it says, obey your earthly masters with reverence for the Lord. And that's what the Bible is talking about here. And now, now, remember, masters didn't, there was no trade unions. There was no bill of rights. There was no, I mean, a slave was an object. I mean, you could punish them. You could kill them. You could do what you want because you bought them at pick and pay and you can sell them. They, they, they are commodity. And yet it's saying, slaves, with reverence for the Lord, obey your earthly master. You see, we've got to take this church thinking, this biblical thinking, and it's not just for a church environment. We've got to take it into the world. That's warfare. That's radical. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Who's your real employer? Who are you really working for? 
If you still think you're working for a company and for a boss, then you haven't read the Bible yet. Because the Bible says, no, no, you work for the Lord. Marianne here, angel of the bay, you're not working for uh, the hospital. You're working for the Lord in the hospital. Friends, we, I, I, I want to labor this point because this is crucial. If we're going to truly find our spiritual purpose in a secular world, we've got to break the thinking that there's this big divide. Verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That's amazing. You'll get a spiritual inheritance for working at a stinky factory. Correct. If you work as unto the Lord. I thought it was just kind of giving flowers to grannies or serving cappuccinos at church. No, no. You can get a spiritual reward at your factory when your heart is, when you're doing it as an act of worship for Jesus. Verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there's no favoritism. Masters, employers, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Isn't that amazing? So if you think you're your own boss, <laughs> think again. Big idea. It is just as spiritual working in a factory as unto the Lord as working in a church. I remember when, uh, I mean, I'd finished varsity, studied engineering, working in a factory environment now, but my heart was desperate for ministry. I just knew the call of God. I knew in terms of my purpose, there was a clarity. One day, we're going to be leading a church. So I have to confess to you, I wasn't a great engineer because my heart wasn't in it. I mean, I had to drive to work through acid rain. It was an ammonia factory and the car was covered. And, and I mean, this was like Sodom and Gomorrah. People were racist and they swore. They had half naked pictures of women on the workshop. I mean, this was like, surely God, you want to rescue your holy son out of the Sodom and Gomorrah to set me up for the holy purposes of church. And I mean, I was like counting down the days, deliver me, Lord. And I remember God speaking to me. One of those moments when there's a clarity, when you feel like the Holy Spirit, this must be you because it can't be me. And I felt God say to me, Brent, when they are ready to promote you here at work, I will promote you into the next season of your purpose in the church. I'm like, bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Surely that can't be God. Surely he wants to deliver his holy son out of this mess. But the point was, and it happened almost a year later, on the same day, I got two phone calls, one for a promotion from work, the other to offer us onto full-time eldership in the church. Literally, God fulfilled it on the exact same day. The point is this. God uses secular environments, worldly situations. That's just as spiritual for God as what we do in church. Does that make sense? Have I convinced you? Good, because there's three questions that I want to ask you now to help you find your purpose in what can sometimes seem mundane, boring, why have you got me in this job kind of situation. Question number one, who is my mission field? My great-grandparents came as Swedish missionaries, landed in Port Natal, call it Durban now, went to Dundee where they were part of a mission base amongst the Zulus because that was what it was like in those days. The Boer War was happening and they established this mission base. After that, they, when the gold rush happened in Egoli in Johannesburg, they went to Johannesburg as migrant laborers from around Africa were descending into Joburg. They planted another church there, went from there to where I was a couple of weeks ago in Zimbabwe on horseback, planting churches, preaching the gospel. When I think missionary, that's what I'm thinking about. And it's wrong. It's not wrong, it's limiting. 
You see, when we read the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, remember that? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I'm thinking that. Sign me up, Lord. The problem is, that's half right. When Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, the usual thinking is it's an event. Go to Ingwavuma, go to Namaga, what's it? Zamakashli and go and do a community outreach. We're normally thinking it needs to be an event that we go on. And that is true. The disciples were called to go out of Jerusalem to plant churches. But the wording in Greek is one of those words that also means as you go. As you go in the world, make disciples. And so we've got to think, if we think the Great Commission is only a church event that happens sometimes, you're not going to walk in your full purposes of God. Every one of us, a scripture was given to me just before, that during the service, in fact, God reminding him, when he called Peter and John, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To be a disciple of Jesus means primary calling, fishers of men. Where's your pond? Your pond is that stinky factory. It is the, the school that you work at. It is the business environment you're in. It's in moms. Maybe you haven't got a full-time job. Well, you've got kids. That's a full-time job. But you've got a gym and a book club and a this and a that. Where's your pond? If we don't define our mission field and say, yes, Lord, to our mission field, we'll never walk in God's full purposes and plans for our lives. Jesus looked at the crowd and he had compassion. In Luke 2, 10 verse 2, he said, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Friends, every one of our businesses, industries, factories, they are harvest fields. Please see your business differently. Otherwise, you'll never. You say, yes, Lord, I want my purpose, cappuccino team or welcome team. Friends, that's a tiny bit of God's purposes for our lives. We spend most of our week, Monday to Friday and sometimes Saturday, in a harvest field waiting for us to say, yes, Lord. To Timothy, the timid young disciple Paul was raising up, he said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Lord, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not. I've got statistical proof that I'm not an evangelist. But God says, do the work of an evangelist. I want to ask you, have you identified people in your workplace, sports club, book club that you are praying for, trusting God for their salvation? That's why you're there. That's why you're there. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Ask the Holy Spirit now to begin, Lord, this is my harvest field. Yes, Lord. You've sent me as a fisher of men. Yes, Lord. Help me to connect with people. Help me to start loving people. Help me to start praying for people. Help me to give me the opportunities. I don't want to spend 20 years in a company and no one's different because I was there. Ouch. I went, uh, where's Bronwyn Saunders? She's here somewhere. I popped into the dentist somewhere along the line. Didn't even know that she was working there. But my golly, I walked into this mission field. As I walked in, Bronwyn, of course, she works as one of the dental assistants, and she's introducing me, receptionist, dentist, worker here, worker here, cleaner here. Oh, this, remember that church I told you about? This is the pastor. I suddenly realized she has told everyone. Everyone. I thought I was getting my teeth. I was like in deep prayer because I hate going to the dentist. What I didn't realize, I'm going to a revival crusade. Point is, she's obviously taken that mandate seriously. This is not just my job. It's my mission field. Number two. Question number two, number one, what's my mission field? Number two, how do I use my spiritual gift to give me the extra? 
Here's another one of those strongholds we have to smash. Spiritual gifts are not just for church. Spiritual gifts are to give you the extra in the world. And the spiritual gifts that you have, you can use in business, in industry, because they'll give you an extra edge. And if you learn to use them well, one, it'll bring favor to your life. Two, it'll help reveal with clarity more of the purpose. Remember Daniel in the Bible, we read the book of Daniel. He was an advisor to the king because of his gift of wisdom and prophecy. Joseph became second in command in Egypt because of his gift of prophecy and leadership. Nehemiah became cupbearer to the king because of his gift of serving and leadership. God has put special grace ability on your life. We studied the gifting series last year. Hopefully most of you will know. And if you don't know the spiritual gifts, if you don't have confidence about your gifts, then you're not going to operate in them. But with clarity comes confidence. I want to encourage you, church. We've still got it on our website. You can do spiritual gift assessment when you know, Lord, you've given me a gift of teaching and leadership and wisdom. Now I've got to use them wherever I am. Don't just be creative at work. Be prophetic. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't just work. Serve. Not just the mission, but the people as well. Don't just train people, teach, mentor, encourage, share your life with them. Don't just support, encourage people. Don't just pay, give, be super generous, even in your workplace. Don't just manage, lead. Don't just care, show mercy. Does it work at work? Absolutely. Because it's all about expressing God's love, which gives you influence and opens doors. One of the the guys I met in uh, the church in Harare, he's, uh, I hope I say his name right, I think it's Sujut. He's an Indian family born, bred in India. He grew up, only when he left uh, home and school did he come across to Zimbabwe. He runs a crane hire company in Zimbabwe. But what so impressed me about this man was how he used a prophetic gift in industry so well. He said, no, no, this is the Lord's business. Before we buy a crane, and he's just bought a 500-ton crane, he said, I don't think anyone's ever had such a big crane in Zimbabwe. I don't know what we're going to use it for, but the Holy Spirit told me, buy it. And so just to get it from the Netherlands to Zimbabwe, I mean, his millions, but he knows. The Holy Spirit told me, and so you'll see work will soon start arriving for this crane. But what I love about him is is how practically he prays every decision. For example, one of the cranes they had rebuilt, but they couldn't get it working. There was something that just didn't lift. It was just eh, something wrong with the hydraulics. They tried everything for days. They were about to scrap it, literally get some money for scrap. And he just said to his brother, he's a partner, he said, just before you scrap it, give me one day. And he went before the Lord and he prayed, Lord, what is wrong with this machine? And as he was praying, he just felt the Holy Spirit nudge him. And and, and in his mind, he just pictured one particular valve, hydraulic valve, right in the middle somewhere. Didn't even know anything about the valve. Asked the technician, bring that valve, let's strip it. What he discovers right in the heart of that is there's one little washer missing which happened to be the same size as one of the old Zimbabwe coins where it's like brass on the outside, silver in the middle. So he popped out the silver, it fit perfectly, put it together, crane worked 100%. Saved millions right there. Holy Spirit, lead me. Friends, it's our gifts that point us towards our purpose. Spiritual gifts are not just for the church, they're for our lives. God's purpose for your life is linked to your grace gifts. Be faithful with the gifts and you'll discover your purpose. And let me land with question number three. Question number one, what's your mission field? Question number two, how do you use your spiritual gifts in your workplace? And question number three, what is your grander vision? 
One of the things I love most about this Global Leadership Summit that we've been advertising is, is hearing stories from real people who've chosen to pursue the grander vision. I love that little term because so often deep in our heart there lives this little dream, this crazy idea. And yet for most, 99% of people that goes to the grave with them because they've never had the courage to pursue it. But some people do. One of the guys, speaking about valves, there's an American guy sold valves and pumps and all sorts of things. Heard a missionary come to their church once speaking about how in China, rural areas, the supply of water is, is the biggest problem. And he felt the Holy Spirit nudge him to say, I bet you you could build a pump for under $5. He's like, that's stupid. That's crazy. But the idea wouldn't leave him. And so he's like, and he fought it and he fought it and he fought it till eventually he had lunch with an engineer friend of his. They put their heads together. It had to be, uh, it couldn't be automatic. It had to be manual. It had to be less than $5. They put it together. And now he still runs the pump company in the States, but spends most of his life going around rural China, installing these things and preaching the gospel. The grander vision upon his life. Took one step, one step. Spoke about another guy. He's got a manufacturing plant, but he's also got an incredible father's heart. And he said, well, I've got to build this new manufacturing plant. How about this crazy idea? What if I built it up against the wall of the maximum security prison? And then we could just like, and that's exactly what happened. Now he runs his whole factory with convicts, giving them skills, training them. He's a father to them, raising them up. Plus, now they're getting paid real money instead of just a pittance, which they can send back to their families, which is the greatest ache of the prisoner's heart, not being able to support their families. And as they release, they release with dignity and skill. Someone pursued their grander vision. It was a young, a young black doctor in... Uh, obviously graduated somewhere in Soweto, somewhere in South Africa, her mom died because she couldn't get her mom to the health care required. Queues were so long, all of this, 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 the next thing. And she's like, I need to do something so that never happens again. So she takes her doctor's degree, and instead of opening a beautiful practice in Santon, she says, no, no, I'm going to pioneer a new form of health care. And she's launched not just one, but now it's like 30 or something of her little primary health care things in the townships offering great medical service at a very reasonable price, because that's the grander vision on her heart. What's yours? What lives in the recesses of your heart just waiting, waiting for a first step? Can you do all the steps? Absolutely not. Is it impossible? Probably. But when you take the first step, it's amazing how doors begin to open. I need to land. God's purpose often lie hidden in our dreams and behind our fears and excuses and not just waiting for us to take the first step. If there was no fear, if there was no limited resources, what grander vision would you be pursuing? If you can dream it, maybe you can sketch it out. Maybe you can talk to someone because as you talk it, it starts moving from dream into reality. In Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's wisdom is beautiful. God's wisdom is practical. God's wisdom is locked up in the hearts of his sons and daughters waiting to be expressed to the world. As a church, we have the creativity of the Spirit. We have leadership gifts, generosity, and mercy, and everything we need to shine the light of Jesus into the world in very real ways. 
So what's your purpose, common good? What's your purpose in the world? Who's your mission field? Please define it now. How do you use your spiritual gifts in the workplace? Because that's going to reveal more of your purpose. And then number three, what's your grander vision? What's hiding away in the lurking in your heart that God could be saying now is the time, time for the first step. Can you say amen to that? Yes. 